0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where today we're going to talk all things NBA, handicaps, and basketball, and check up on the association. And spread, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Do you know why?
1: Is it something about uh, the one guy who can't shoot shot?
0: Well, as uh, the tweet I saw from somebody, um, it was described as everyone making a big deal about a guard in the NBA making a three, but it happened, (laughs) spread. It happened. Ben freaking Simmons not only shot a three. I'd be this excited, honestly, if he shot the three. He not only shot it, spread. he made it. It was in rhythm. It was in the corner. The play was set up to get him the ball in the corner. It was amazing. Have you had a chance to watch it 12 or 15 times yet like I have? (laughs) No,
1: I didn't see it 12 or 15 times. Do you think this has anything to do with Embiid mentioning it? Yesterday that he wanted him to shoot a three?
0: I hope so. And I think that's kind of what I was looking for some pressure. I think we've talked about, maybe it was just in the chat. I don't remember if we've talked about this in the podcast. I have kind of secretly and quietly hoped that if opposing teams or, or fans would start to really. Go after Simmons for being afraid to shoot, um, but he needs some sort of push, some sort of you know. I mean, Simmons was the one that got him to shoot in the preseason. You go back and watch that play. I'm sorry, Embiid is the one who got Simmons to shoot that three he made in the preseason. You go back and watch that footage, and Embiid is standing at midcourt going, "I'm not moving. No, shoot the freaking ball. Shoot the ball. Shoot it." And he does, and he finally goes in. I mean, I really like that what Embiid's trying to do. Maybe he's a little more of a leader than I think a lot of people give him credit for, but. It's just amazing. It's amazing to see Simmons actually finally try to do that in a regular season game. And and like I said, it's not even about him making it for me. Just shooting the ball, just causing defenders to have to think that that might even be an option.
1: Yeah, I don't know if i go so far as to say it was amazing, but uh, (laughs) no, it's interesting because... What you have here is you would think, okay, why does it matter if he shoots a shot that he's probably not that good at and he's not going to shoot a high percentage? Well, Philly's having a problem getting mucked up a little bit if you watch him with Simmons and Embiid on the floor. I mean, uh, that's one of their big problems. You know, Embiid goes out there and he shoots threes. And as a defense, I, I with the way percentage that he shoots them, I'm not too upset about giving up the shot. But if you watch, teams will go ahead and respect it. They'll go ahead and try and defend it. You know, you are taught to not give up open threes, regardless of who it is. So he needs to be shooting those and attempting those, um, to give both of them more space for that offense to operate more cleanly. So I can understand why it's, you know, it's kind of silly and we're making fun with it, but really is, it's a big step in the development of this team. If they're going to want to be able to compete with uh, Milwaukee and Boston and, and those teams in the playoffs.
0: I totally agree, and I like the comparison that you made with Embiid. I think that's exactly what it is. Um, you, you watch Embiid, he is not a great three-point shooter. You know, For his career, he's only 31%, You percent know, He's having a good year this year, almost 39%. But in past seasons, he didn't care. He just knew that if he stood out there and shot every once in a while, he'd get to do that horrible shot fake that works and at least suck the center up to like the free-throw line so there'd be some space behind him. I mean, That's what spacing's about. A lot of people talk about spacing, and they just talk about having guys who can make threes on the floor or it's even more than that. It's having people that are that are comfortable shooting. A defense, they they are trained to let certain people shoot and let certain people not shoot. But at the very least, you get that instinct going. That that moment of doubt, and, and once you have a defense in that moment of doubt where they're thinking instead of reacting, that's when you've got them by the balls, and, and that's what Simmons needs to do. He needs to, from time to time, shoot, whether it goes in or not, so that he can fake from time to time, get a defender thinking, and then go by him. It, it opens up a ton of options, not just for Simmons, but for the Sixers offense in general because, uh, like you said, there's just too many guys in the lane, and I think a lot of that, honestly, is the coach. I, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I don't know why there's plays that where you have Horford and Bede and Harris all in the lane at the same time for some reason but anything that they can do to you know for Simmons specifically just to draw his defender out so that he can use that speed to go by him makes all the difference in the world
1: yeah an interesting one drawing the defender out too is uh, we're watching it right now it's flipping on between the channels but we have the matchup between Minnesota and Utah right and you look at the teams on paper and you know, Utah is a better roster top to bottom, but Carl Anthony Towns can completely disrupt that team by going out and shooting threes. I don't know how many he shot tonight, but in the last matchup, I think he went out and shot like 15. But this whole idea was, I'm going to bring Gobert out of the paint. These guys are used to rolling everyone in the middle to the rim protector. If he's not there, their whole defense changes. So it's funny how little things like this may not be the highest as far as like analytics. Like, I don't know if I want, you know, my center shooting 15 threes a game but in certain situations you need to do it in order to change the defense uh, in ways that wouldn't necessarily show up mathematically or on the box score
0: right it's not about what you can or can't do it's what you might be able to do you know, you watch Towns, I don't think of him as someone that forces a lot of those threes, but just because he has that opportunity, he gets you know, a lot of, frankly, a lot of the shots and Bede gets where he goes up, he kind of fakes the three, and then all of a sudden his defender is moving towards him. And, you know, although he's a big guy, he's still quick enough and athletic enough to get to the basket and kind of make things happen. So you know, basketball at this point, this version of the NBA as we see it is all about having lots of facets in your game and being able to do a little bit of everything. You know, whether you do it all the time or not is up to the situation, and your coach and, and what's going on but you need to have the ability to do everything
1: yep completely agree so uh, good news for you and the philadelphia fans going forward and uh, we'll see how this interesting development takes its next turn
0: there And the uh, tale of simmons and Embiid, jesus christ i'm gonna forget all about simmons making the three and about an hour when the fucking Knicks beat the Sixers. Oh, my God. The Sixers haven't made a bucket in five and a half minutes. The Knicks currently are up 62 to 53. We've got seven and a half minutes in the third. We'll see how that goes as you guys hear me groan, grumble, mumble, and hopefully occasionally cheer excitedly. You'll know why. But... Let's get back to the focus here. Um, obviously, we're doing an NBA podcast today. And instead of kind of going through what we've been doing for the last few weeks, checking in on kind of where things are, we thought we're about a month in the season, into the season. I'm looking at the standings here. It looks like the least amount of games. I'm seeing 11. It looks like or 12. Looks like the Wizards have played 11. They're playing their 12th game tonight, and a lot of teams have played 13, some even 14 games. So we're at a point now where you know we kind of have a, a good enough sample size. Those of you who do some modeling and stuff, this is about the time when you can start to really trust some data for the season. You obviously still need to do some opponent adjustments and things like that, but we think finally have a, a big enough sample size, don't you agree, Spread? Definitely all right so we figured it'd be a good idea to check in we'll kind of go through maybe not each team but go through each conference kind of do a uh, who he thinks playing well who he thinks playing poorly who's kind of overvalued who's kind of undervalued just kind of a full check in and then we'll take a look at some futures markets our friends at bet365 are nice enough to have these open while there's actual games going on so we'll go through that kind of checking on the odds to win the title the conferences each division and they even have mvp and, and rookie of the year odds Um, Can't wait for those MVP odd spread. There's one name on there that is just preposterous to be on the list. But let's start with the (laughs) Eastern Conference. I'll run through the standings real quick, just give you kind of every team and where they are to set our mind. And then what we're going to do, I think each of us kind of pick three teams that we think might be a little underrated, three teams that might be a little overrated, um, and try to give our reasons. Hopefully we don't have too much overlap. So, number one seed right now, the Celtics 11 and 2, Bucks at the 2 seed, 10 and 3, and you've got the Heat at the 3 seed, Raptors at the 4 seed, much to my demise. The Sixers at the 5, Pacers at the 6, moving up a little bit over the last few weeks. The Magic snuck up, and they're now the 7 seed, Hornets at the 8 seed. Now, on the outside, looking in from a playoff perspective, the Nets, the Hawks, the Pistons, the Cavaliers, the Bulls, the Knicks, and the Wizards. Alright, spread for the Eastern Conference. Maybe we'll go back and forth here. Give me your first team that you see in the Eastern Conference. It might be a little underrated.
1: Underrated in the East. I am thinking right now gosh, do you think the Hornets are gonna are, are where they should be? Is this is this what we should expect of them? I guess that would be overrated. Um boy, I don't really like these teams in the East. Underrated boy, Cavaliers aren't good.
0: Well, I'll start then. The first name that yeah, I had start. on my list was the, the Detroit Pistons. I think. Okay, this, good, because I team, can't cap them for anything. Yep, and it looks like, so right now they're the 11th seed. I guess if you went that far, you know, again, it's early in the season. They're 4-9. and nine. The Hornets and the 8th seed are 6-8. and eight, So they're not too far behind from a games-back perspective. Um When I look at the Pistons, I see a team that's been able to kind of hold things together a little bit. Well, maybe not quite with a 4-9 record, but Blake Griffin finally coming back, starting to be healthy. Andre Drummond still a very talented player. I I like that roster, and I think that they're going to start to perform a little bit better. Um, What do you think? Does that team have the talent to to kind of rise above or are they going to continue to see injury problems? I mean, it is a little bit of an older team and a lot of guys that are hurt often. So as much as I think that they have a chance to perform obviously much better than they have to start the season, I do still have a a few concerns. How about you?
1: You you know, I I hate capping Pistons games. I have no idea what to do with that team. Uh, I think the roster isn't that well constructed. Um, They seem to be a team that, you know, they're ceiling is the eighth or the seventh seed um you know i can't really see them doing a lot there's no way i mean they're not like a move or two away from competing with those top teams in the east Um, they seem like they they complete rebuild is in order yet somehow they seem to win a bunch of games and and be in the mid to high 30s every year which which shocks me so i'm not really too high on detroit i'm actually not surprised they're
0: doing this poorly All right, I'm going to throw out another name. We were talking about this one before the podcast. I'll give you credit for this one. You seem to think that the Hawks are a little better than their record and some of their ratings so far. Um, Was I hearing you right? Kind of. So here's
1: actually the two teams. Now, I don't know. I brought this up that we're going to talk about this and it kind of blanked right when we switched to it. So the two teams that I think that we'll have fun investing in the next uh, couple weeks are the Hawks. And actually, your Sixers. And uh, both those are basically just schedule ideas that the Hawks got beat up on this five game road trip. They're a young team. Obviously, the East isn't as good as the West. So, you know, these were tough games out there. And they looked really bad. I think they lost by like, what, 49 to L.A. one night or something horrible number? Then lost to 21. The Lakers. The Lakers after that, right? But now they're going to go home again. I think they'll settle in a bit. Um, The question is whether or not they can get past this this John Collins issue, um, because at first, you know, Parker was stepping in and able to provide the offense, but their defense just looks so bad without them. They're having problems stopping teams. Um, same thing with the Sixers. They went, um, I think, how many games have they played so far? 13.
0: Yeah, and, they went 5-0 and oh to start the season and only won two of the next seven or something like that. Right, but nine of their
1: 13 games have been on the road so far this year. And now I think they're doing a stretch of what, uh, 10 or 12 of their next 18 will be at home. So I think that we're going to start to see them look a lot better. And I think that their metrics will improve, you know, if you are modeling, um, because I think they're going to look a lot better at home. So because of the, the going on the road and, and playing some tough games, I see the Hawks and the Sixers as teams that might be undervalued here in the next couple of weeks as they get some home stands and get to run some better numbers into into our modeling.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to jump on board with the Hawks the next few weeks. I am waiting for Collins to come back. My hope is that this Hawks team can fight to stay within a couple games of 500. And then when Collins comes back, I think they'll really be able to put it together, start to play some better defense. And that will be the time to kind of jump on the Hawks' bandwagon a little bit. I like what you said about the Sixers. I hope you're right. I still remain to be pessimistic. You know, as I think we've talked about a handful of times on the podcast, and I, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I don't know what Brett Brown is doing. I don't know that if he hasn't had enough time to watch these guys play together yet to to form some sort of strategy, but there really does not seem to be that much of a plan on offense. Poor Josh Richardson just looks lost. Horford and Embiid are getting stuck in the lane at the same time together far too much. Simmons doesn't have enough space to kind of attack and get to the basket. It's... uh, I'm confused, I'm a little worried. I hope that the sixers do pop. I think as the season goes on, you know when we talked in some of the off season podcasts, I did talk about this. I expected the sixers to start slow, a bunch of new players, not a ton of faith in Brown being able to figure it out, and that's kind of what we've seen. I was a little surprised actually that they won their first five games the way that they did. So I'm actually kind of hoping they struggle a little bit and maybe we get some better prices on them. But I think they will start to put it together and you know, we start to look at the end of the year at their their profile. I think you will see them get to be better and better as the season goes on
1: yeah interesting so it's funny because this is a common fan base and a lot of things i like to do for my research when i'm going to be writing about teams or capping teams is i like to go to the local teams forums blogs subreddits you know and just kind of get the feel for the fan and um, every fan (laughs) almost seems to hate their coach and it's just funny because i kind of think like Okay, number one, okay, if we get rid of these guys, who are we going to replace them with? Because I don't think that there's that many uh, good NBA coaches out there. I hate there. this
0: argument. I hate what you're about to talk about. And this is something I tweeted about. The stupidest excuse to not fire coaches. There isn't somebody readily available to do the job. As soon as you know that your coach is incapable of winning a championship or incapable of maximizing your talent, I'm ready for living But how do you know else. that that? Uh, How many more years do we have to watch Brett Brown not be creative on offense? How many, this is their third, maybe even four seasons to watch him send too many bodies down to the lane? Come on.
1: This is where the schedule kind of kills these guys, because how much practice time do they get? So let's say he's seen stuff and he's identifying, okay, we're having these problems. Okay, Richardson is having problems. How many practices does he actually get to implement his new ideas? I think that's why coaching matters so much more in the NFL because they actually have practices and time to to implement new ideas and switch up game plans. I almost feel like, you know, you get your training camp, you get to implement the ideas you want, and now you're kind of just flying by the seat of your pants and you get a practice here or there. But they don't get really that many practices to, to implement their ideas.
0: I think that coaching the NBA is more about concepts, and I think even without enough practice time, you should be able to institute some concepts and just have some basic ideas where you know when you're setting up some sort of play, it doesn't involve Embiid and Horford standing next to each other in the lane. Maybe even look at the two of them and say, hey, you know, I I know I'm over here calling some plays, blah, 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 but if you guys ever (laughs) notice that you're standing next to each other in the lane, one of you? Get the hell out of there. Like It's... (laughs) You know, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I have coached basketball, but like at the low, at the very lowest of levels. And-, and the more I watch the NBA, the coaches that are consistently effective that are. are- Creating a team that is greater than the sum of their parts are people that are trying stuff. And I don't know. Maybe the Mavericks have more practice than the Sixers. I don't know. Maybe the Celtics have more practice than the Sixers. Maybe the Heat have more practice than the Sixers. Or maybe Eric Spolster, Brad Stevens, and Rick Carly are a little better at trying to adjust stuff okay. on the fly you're, and you're be right aggressive there. during the middle of games. <laughs> like, come on. Like, just try something. Like, it's forget about practice. It's the NBA, the regular season. There's 82 games. I mean, try some stuff. Like, what are we doing?
1: All right, two notes here. Number one, getting you during a Sixers game for the pod is awesome because you're fired up tonight. And then I think this also brings in an interesting discussion. So you obviously named three coaches that I would concede, like, yeah, they're better coaches than Brett Brown. Like, if one of those three guys is available, you make the move in a heartbeat. And, you you know, you might even extend your payroll or whatever you need to do to get them in there. But uh, let's go through now. Let's Who do you think would be... I don't know if we can do top 10, and you did already did three out of five. Can you do a top 10 list for maybe coaches? Is there 10 good coaches in the league?
0: That's a great question. I'm going to kind of go through. I don't know if I'll be doing this in order, but I'll go through each team, and I think anytime there's a coach yeah. I like, I'll kind of fire off. All right, Brad and Stevens with the Celtics. And I'll go with, with you. We'll kind of just sit there. So Brad Stevens with the Celtics. I think he makes our list pretty clearly. What do you think about yeah. Budenholzer?
1: I think that he's fantastic with a talented team, and I don't think I'd want him to lead a rebuild or with a young team.
0: All right, so put Bud on the maybe list. Spo for the but Heat. for
1: Philly, I think he would be better. Well, than yeah, than your I'm,
0: guy. Look, I mean, if we're going to have a which coach is better than Brett Brown discussion, we can probably okay. Go up All right, 20 that's not fair. I get it. I get it. All right. <laughs> so maybe let's let's not waste our time and, and jump into that. But again, okay. at the end of the day, I think there's kind of just some fundamental things. I I am a Sixers fan. I don't. To be perfectly honest with everybody, I don't understand fandom. I live in the city of Philadelphia. I'm surrounded by Eagles fans. And if you are someone that is familiar with the NFL, Eagles fans are insane. I don't get it. I no, just, yeah, the don't. guy it catches doesn't make the any baby. sense to me.
1: And, and he talks about Nelson Aguilar dropping a p- pass, right? That's what he was thinking when he was saving the baby coming out it's of ridiculous. the burning building. It's a, I mean,
0: when the <laughs> Eagles lose a football game uh, the next Monday, the city of Philadelphia is a horrible place to be. Everyone's That's mad. so funny. There are more traffic accidents. Crime goes up. This is like all stuff that people have verified. And I don't get fandom. I don't. But I am irrationally attached to the Philadelphia 76ers. I will cheer for this laundry for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's I have funny, watched out here, like, so... the 49ers and Raiders lose, everyone's like,
1: oh, well, it's a nice day, you know, they played hard, good team, represent the community well. Oh, my God, bunch <laughs> don't of don't get wimps. that mad like you guys do.
0: But I've watched enough Brett Brown at this point to know that I think that he is maybe a good kind of culture guy, someone that knows how to build a locker room and make all these players feel self-confident and, and you know, to be able to go out there and do what they want to do, but... I don't know if he's a coach that challenges the players enough. I don't think that he tests these guys and pushes them to ex- extend outside of what they're doing. And, and just, I don't see any creativity. Again, it's every single year. It's the same stuff, the same mediocre inbounds plays, the same dumb concepts on offense. It just doesn't change. And once you get to that point, you know every single game that he gets to keep coaching, you as an organization are saying, I'm, I'm OK with mediocrity. I'm okay with what's happening here. I'm okay with no one making any changes or trying to progress what's happening. And, you know, to circle back to your point around, you know, who would possibly replace them, how many people had Nick Nurse on their list of great coaches last year? I don't know. And I think as you go back through, I mean, how many people knew Spolster was a great coach before he was a great coach? But both of those go I had showed
1: at Flash Potential, right? I mean, obviously we didn't see it.
0: But so did um, Brett Brown. But within the mean,
1: organization they had, you know? So I'm just saying if, they're in the organ. They don't see anyone in their organization that's showing the potential that those guys
0: have. But you got to try. Once again, you know what you have isn't working. Any change is positive, just in that we're now moving away from mediocrity. It's you know, and that's the organization. You're right. Maybe they should have. I don't know. Is Monty Williams a great coach? Maybe they should have canned Brett Brown and kept him. Uh, but there's got to be somebody out there. And, and I just again hate that excuse from fans. I don't. Where know did, Monty we- did Monty? Did Monty Williams end up in Phoenix? Yeah, he did. And I just okay. and he's doing every- pretty good out
1: there he is and everybody says this you know everybody says
0: says the same thing you know oh we shouldn't fire Brett Brown because we don't know who the next coach is that's such a stupid excuse like of course you don't it's not your job the organization should have a list of guys and it's time to time for a change this you know we'll see how the season goes I assume Brett Brown's gonna obviously get to coach the whole year he probably deserved that just for his service and things like that but I'm done I'm ready for anybody it's so
1: fun for me when because you're so uh, analytical and math based in your handicapping when you get real emotional like this. So okay, we got through the top three coaches in the East. You know, uh, Nurse, we already concede. We got the Sixers, Pacers. Who's their coach? Nate McMillan. I don't think he's Nate that good McMillan. To
0: go. It's I, I don't know. He's probably in that. So when I think of NBA coaches, there are good ones, there are not bad ones, and there are bad ones. Um Nate McMillan would be in that not bad tier. And I guess Brett Brown is probably somewhere in that not bad tier. I would consider them to be about the same. All right.
1: Like I would say if you guys uh, fired Brown and brought in McMillan, that's like a lateral move. Like you didn't really change that much. I mean, it might obviously change the voice, but I don't know if you've actually made yourself like analytically or strategically better or you have that much more leadership.
0: Well, I'm going to slow us down and get us back on track. I don't think everybody needs to hear me bitch about Brett Brown for another five. Are you going to go, through the, go through the rest of the coaches, coaches, though, for me? Nah, let's just circle back. Come on. Well, you see. know
1: what? It's funny. Now that I'm going through, I do kind of understand your point. Because as we're going through each one of these guys, I'm liking them more than your guy. I think the Magic Clipper. Well, is All right, so maybe here's
0: a better way of going about this. You've been going through some names. What names were you surprised that as you read them, you're like, actually, that might be better? Like, how about Kenny Atkinson from Brooklyn? Oh, better. He's better. Right? Yeah, he is. I don't know there. about
1: the Hawks coach. Who's the Hawks coach? Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce. I don't I think know what he about gets him. an incomplete. Right? He, he's only coached yeah. thirteen games. He's new this year.
0: What about John Beeline, Michigan coach? His first incomplete. year. Incomplete. I mean, what what can you tell from thirteen games? All right. right. Flipping through here, What's what were some of the other names again that you saw that you were a little surprised? Um, at? Who's the you Pistons who coach
1: have... right now? Uh, um, Casey. Yeah, Dwayne Casey. I don't. I don't
0: think I want Dwayne Casey. Uh, I think Brett that, yeah, Brown. he think that he's
1: the same level. Um, Chicago Bulls, I think that they have a worse coach than you. Absolutely. I don't, it's, um, shout out Knicks. to Hanky and, and What Gap. about Fisdale? What do you think of him? Is he just average or is he below average? Uh,
0: I think that I don't, I don't. you know, until James Dolan is an owner, I'm going to give any coach or general manager or player that, that's a New York Knicks player kind of a break. And I liked Fisdale a lot in Memphis. I was surprised that they moved yeah. on from him. Um I don't know. I'd be willing to give that a shot. What the hell? Like it's it's not Brett Brown, so I'm good. And then the last one on there
1: um, was the Wizards. Who's the Wizards coach? Remind me.
0: Isn't that still Scotty Brooks? No, it I'm can't pretty be. sure it's still yeah Scotty Brooks, which is uh, he's still employed. Yeah, Scott Brooks 1.0. As a lot of you guys follow me, I often <laughs> refer to Brett Brown as Scotty <laughs> Brooks 2.0. Um, he is the evolution, but. Yeah, spread. There you go. It's a bleak situation.
1: Yeah, okay. I guess when you're going through, like, I do have them, I guess, lower than most of these guys. Did you want to do the West, or should I just concede the argument there and we'll move on?
0: I think I am just feel sad and miserable. Um, <laughs> it's good to see the Sixers fighting back. They're would you down rather have like Luke 15. Walton or by five. Ooh, now there's a conversation spread. <laughs> I don't think I would. I'd, maybe. I'd, I'd, you know Yeah, I would. Because, again, I know Brett Brown can't do it. Maybe Luke Walton can. He's not Brett Brown. Yes. yes anybody but Brett Brown. <laughs> okay. Except Jim Boylan, I guess.
1: Hey, while we're still kind of talking about Homer stuff, I have one other question. How often do you actually go to the Sixers games?
0: um I probably go to at least a dozen a year. Uh, oh, do you? Okay. It's kind of tough. I mean, honestly, ever since they got Embiid in, in and Simmons, the tickets are a little are pricey. Expensive. But you yeah. got to kind of pick your teams. Actually, one of my favorite things to do. Giannis' first two three years, for some reason, the people of Philadelphia were unaware that he was that great. So, used to be able to get really cheap Bucks tickets. I used to go sit like mid court, fifteen rows off the floor for for me, which is perfect. I mean, unless you can sit courtside, yeah. which I don't have the money for that. But if I can get a ticket like fifteen rows right at mid court, like the mid court lines going through your seat, that's perfect. And I was getting those in like the fifty to like hundred dollar range regularly. I mean, that was lovely.
1: So my question is: So I went last night for the first time in a while, and the arena was actually more empty. The Sacramento arena was a lot more empty than I expected. And uh, I went with my buddy, and he goes to a lot of games. And he said, "Yeah, it's pretty normal for about Tuesday night." How do you guys do attendance wise? I think that I don't know about the sold tickets, but we probably only had eleven or twelve thousand total in a seventeen thousand seat arena.
0: A lot of it depends on the opponent, but for the most part, I think the Sixers games are, quote, selling out. I think they're finding somebody to take all the tickets and whether or not there's somebody in every one but of them. But how games. many are in the arena? It's who knows. And I guess thinking about it, again, I haven't gone this year yet. Unfortunately, I'm trying to go next week at some point. Got to find somebody to dog sit. If you're in the Philadelphia area and you want to come over to my house in Ardmore <laughs> and sit with my lovely, lovely, wonderful, little, adorable dog, I would be more than happy to let you do that so I can go to Sixers game. Um but I think in general, as you start to start the game, they're you know maybe two thirds to seventy five percent full, and as the game goes on, it kind of start to fill out and fill out. Um, I, I bet that most of the seats are filled, like we're talking like okay. eighty five ninety percent.
1: Yeah, it was just wild to me because I think our team is pretty good now, and I used to go a lot, especially when I was younger. And it seemed like when we were like bad in the nineties and stuff, it was still a lot more full than it is now. And it made me think during the game about um the ratings issue and i was wondering it's i mean is there really a decline i mean obviously the hardcore fans like you and i are still there but i'm wondering if there's a decline in just the casual observer uh as the ratings uh suggest you know did you see that they're down like 27 percent or something
0: i did i attribute a lot of that to streaming i think people are moving over to non-traditional platforms that generally don't get measured you do, in those huh? numbers. because I the do. nfl
1: numbers aren't down
0: well, I, I wonder how many of those people stream. I think the NFL is actually a little bit harder to stream. You've got to get you know, Dish Network or you know, call Dish and prove to them that you can't actually have a Dish where you are and do all that kind of goofy stuff. The NBA makes it really easy. Oh, um, so
1: you're saying people are just buying League Pass and watching it?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it's like that. Like on the PlayStation? Yeah, absolutely. It's much easier to do with NBA games. And then it's the beginning of the season. I mean, come on. Uh, The NBA season, unless you're a fanatic, you're not watching every single game. And a lot of the big nights for the NBA are supposed to be Thursday. There's football on on Thursday. Like, come on.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. One fun note about the uh, NBA League Pass, if you are streaming on your PlayStation, they usually will not play the local commercials. Um, You usually get the in-arena cam. So, like, it's like if I watch it here on my Dish Network, I get the local commercial, like Menards and all these, like, You know, people selling tractors and stuff if you're watching the Minnesota games. But um, if you watch the PlayStation feed, you'll get the kiss cams and the the little emoji cams and all the little contests they do at halftime. It usually will just stick you with the arena feed. So that was like one of my favorite parts of watching on the PlayStation.
0: All right, what the hell were we talking about? Oh, that's Uh, right. East Coast teams, we went through (laughs) the teams that we thought (laughs) might be a little underrated. The teams that might be a little underrated, I think we're got kind of it done yeah. with that. We talked about the Pistons, the Hawks, as well as the Sixers a little bit. Now let's go a little bit negative here, Spread, as you start to Overrated. look at the Eastern Conference. Who do you think has played a little above where they should be for the season? Who is going to kind of slow down a little bit, maybe take a step back? You know, the easy choice is the Charlotte Hornets. You brought them up earlier. Yep. Do you think they have a chance to make the playoffs or the 8th seed right now?
1: I mean, everyone's got a chance in the East, right? The East is a great... You know, everyone's got an opportunity there. Um, I think the Pacers, I'm surprised that they're they're doing so well. I think that uh, they might take a step back. I'm actually surprised that they're doing so well. What do you think of Indiana?
0: Well, I like the way Brogdon's playing, and you have to remember they're going to get Oladipo back at some point, so they have that easy right. way to kind of level up midseason. But just for the
1: next couple weeks, say, just with this squad.
0: I think that I'm not super excited to bet on the Indiana Pacers yet. I don't. To be honest, I haven't watched enough or dug enough into a little bit of what they've done. I know Brogdon has played well. I think I'm kind of lukewarm on them. I'm not excited to bet them. I'm not necessarily betting against them a whole lot either, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've watched them a couple times, and I see that they're 8-6, and six and they didn't really look like an 8-6 and six team to me. So maybe Nate McMillan is a better coach than so I give him credit for. Them.
0: I think he's a good kind of, again, he knows how to structure an organization. He knows how to build some plays. He does some things that are a little unique. Again, I haven't watched not one single Pacers game. I don't have to go back and do a little bit of homework there. But I think I'm more optimistic on them long term. Again, once Oladipo comes back, they might be a real interesting team. But they seem to go out there every night and play hard. And honestly, at this point of the season, that's the best you can hope for, I think.
1: Yeah, so they're doing well. But um, I, w- I would actually be looking to kind of fade them. I think their numbers are maybe a little higher.
0: All right. that team is. I think, again, we're down on the Hornets a little bit. I, I, I don't see them being a playoff team. I'm surprised that they have this many wins. I think we both gave their gave their regular season win total under out, something around like 33. I hope it was 33. It was probably actually 28 or something. No, the Hawks was 33. I think that was like 28. I need them to slow down. On a the Pacers? No, no, the it Hornets. No, higher than that. The Hornets.
1: Oh, the Hornets. Oh, yeah, they're going to go over for sure. It was 24.
0: Ooh, that's not good for us.
1: Yeah, they're going over for sure.
0: All right, are there any other teams? You know, again, I, th- I feel good about Boston. I feel good about the Heat. As much as I hate to say it, Pascal Siakam has taken a huge step forward, and I think uh, all my Raptors, unders, and no playoff bets are going to go by the wayside. So hopefully a few other things go in my favor because I- that was a pretty big position by me. Um, the Magic just snuck into the playoffs. I feel just about right about them. Again, anybody Yeah, they're 6-7, can-
1: right? Didn't they seem about like a 6-7 team?
0: Yep. I'm watching
1: so, them get uh and that, they're they're keeping pace, I guess, with the Raptors, but the Raptors definitely look like they're a better team here.
0: All right, anybody else in the East you want to touch on before we jump into the West?
1: No, let's jump into the West. That's where all the real action
0: is. All right, I'll go through the standings like I did the first time, and then we'll you know try to talk about teams we think are a little underrated and then jump into the teams we think are a little overrated. Lakers are the one seed, then the Rockets, Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks, Jazz, Minnesota and Phoenix rounds out the top eight. The Kings, the Grizzlies, Spurs, Thunder, Pelicans, Trailblazers, second worst record in the West. And of course, the worst record in the West spread, the Golden State Warriors. What a sad state of affairs it is there. But let's start with some underrated teams. As you start to look at these standings, who do you think is maybe a little bit lower than they should be? A little
1: bit lower. I I think Sacramento's coming on. I think they, the more I watch them, I think that they're just messed up from that India trip and it kind of screwed them all off. And I think that they're starting to to be reaccustomed to the way things are here. Um, So I like the Kings on the way up.
0: Yeah, they're six and seven. You know, Darren Fox has been heard for most, if not all, the season. We haven't seen Bagley yet this year. So they're another team that is able to hover around 500 and has two really easy ways to make their team better naturally. I think that that's a great pick. I think the Kings definitely have a chance to pop. You know, now they're just outside of the playoff picture. Do you see them sneaking in?
1: Yes, I do. I think the Suns... Um, might be doing a little better than expected. And then what do you think of the T-Wolves? So I'm down on the Suns. I think that they just had a nice little stretch. And, you know, every team's going to have a nice stretch during the year. They just happen to have theirs to open the season. Um, The T-Wolves, boy, were we wrong on them? They're looking pretty good. What do you think
0: of them? I think that it's really fun to play basketball. With that Jimmy Butler for those guys. I think they had a terrible year <laughs> last year, getting yelled at, getting probably cursed out, getting punked every day in practice, and having to hear about that and answer stupid questions about it. I think Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best players in the league. I think that we've maybe underrated him. When we have conversations about the top ten players in the league, we are foolish to exclude him. Um, he's been really great. Andrew Wiggins seems to have learned. Yeah, how the to resurgence
1: do of Maple Jordan. What do you think like, of that? What is
0: that I don't. <sighs> I love that Maple Jordan thing. I don't know where you found that or if you made that up on your own, but Bravo, I want a Maple Jordan shirt. I mean, that's pretty fantastic. I think the Timberwolves do have a chance to maybe hang on to a playoff spot. I think you circled the right team, though, in Phoenix. I think they're playing a little over their head. Um it's been a nice season for them. We've talked about them a bunch. They have did a good job this offseason of adding NBA players that make sense on their team and really allows everyone to kind of do what they want to do. And we'll see. Maybe that matters long term. Maybe Monty Williams is a great coach, but I'm not counting on it. I like the Kings to sneak up and take that playoff spot. Now, the other team I wanted to talk about, the Spurs. Um, that was
1: the two I was going to bring up, too. I was to say, we got to touch on the Spurs and the Trailblazers because they're the two teams that, um, I mean, I know you didn't expect the Trailblazers to be – Good this year, but I don't think you expect them to be this bad, did you?
0: No, I should have taken the Trailblazers. I should have taken all those Toronto bets and done them with the Blazers. I am right. I mean, I was worried about what Hassan Whiteside would do in the locker room. I think he's been really kind of rough. I think that the team has struggled to grow and expand what they do. I think a lot about the NBA is coming out every year and having some sort of new wrinkle because these teams get enough chance to see in the 82 game regular season if you make the playoffs to see even more tape on you and and they learn what your habits are so you've got to be doing something a little different every year And I I struggled with figuring out what the Trailblazers could do this year that was a little different, and the injuries have just been horrific for them. Zach Collins is a huge injury that that just that limits creatively what this team can do, in in huge huge ways. I think that they are better than their record. Obviously, they're five and ten right now. I I think that they will end up the season closer to a five hundred team, if not just above that mark. But the Spurs, another team, pretty disappointing. There's been some well maybe not rumors but i've listened to a couple podcasts and people have started talking about you know spread if you are rc buford the general manager or president whoever he is of the spurs are you looking to trade demar Derozan or lamarcus aldridge and kind of blow things up here a little bit
1: you know they've never done that before um then i can well remember. besides
0: the one time they did it and got the uh, and got tim duncan right but pop wasn't even there then was he Oh, I mean, that's how long ago it that's was. That's a great. Qu- I think Popovich was that, I mean, an organization. What, what I don't year was know if Duncan he was drafted
1: 95. Mean, me I think see. I remember watching Duncan in high school.
0: Uh, no, I agree. I think it was 1997. He was drafted, I believe, <laughs> the year after Allen Iverson. Yep, the 1997 draft. Let me see when Greg yeah. Popovich started coaching for the Spurs. Um, it was pretty close to that. It was either his first year or maybe he was like an assistant and they bumped him up or he I remember he had kind of a funky um, career. I think he was actually in the in the front office here. So no, he was actually the Spurs coach in 1996. So he was the coach that first year. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, and then yeah, there was rumors that they were going to get rid of him cuz he did so poorly the first year.
0: Yeah, no, they weren't cuz they were tanking to get Tim Duncan. But, you know, ever since that point
1: well, I mean, if you only have to do a tank every 20 years, your organization's doing good. As far as them getting rid of those guys, I don't see why not. You know, I was, inter- I was listening to something about DeMar in today. He's a net negative plus minus for his career. That really surprised me.
0: Why? He's not a terribly great defensive player. I mean, I know he kind of slaps the floor and gets in people's faces and stuff, but you watch <laughs> him actually on that end of the floor, it's uh, mostly smoke and mirrors. He gets beat quite regularly, and he does stuff that people don't do in the NBA today. I mean, he still doesn't shoot threes and and I know that shooting threes isn't the end all be all, but you got to at least try. You got to be thinking about it. It's yeah. what does DeMar DeRozan do that is an overwhelming positive? He's a lone mid-ranger, right? Okay. Is, uh, based on everything <laughs> re- we've learned in the last few years is that a good
1: thing? I mean, I think it's fine. I, I don't I, when I watch him I just if I bet against the spurs I don't want the ball in his hand he he makes because well, he's he makes the best player on the Spurs
0: well. he's not necessarily a great player I like him he's a nice guy he works hard he's done some wonderful things with his footwork there's a lot of things mm-hmm. I like about his game but he's a, definitely a negative defensively and I don't know that he shoots or, or has a game offensively that's has enough high efficiency to it anymore I've looked at his free throw numbers in a while but he wasn't stacking those up for the last season or so I mean, I think he's no, unlimited. he doesn't
1: get to the rim like he used to. I mean, that's fair. So, okay, let's say they were trading him. So here's the other thing. I was thinking about this. I'm like, who wants those guys? What? Aldridge th- goes back to Portland, that's the only place I could even think that he would fit.
0: Right. Uh, the name I've heard for DeRozan is the Magic. They're looking for some scoring. They, oh, you know, yeah. they got a ton of guards there. Uh, they'd be able to hide him defensively. He'd be somebody to give the ball to at the end of the game to shoot. I think that makes some sense. I don't know what you do with Aldridge. I I, don't I know. personally
1: wouldn't do it if I were them.
0: I wonder if I think Aldridge is an expiring contract. Or, no, I'm sorry, DeRozan is an expiring contract. Aldridge has another year after this. Yeah, it was a weird extension when they gave it to him. It was. You got to wonder if maybe he retires or something after this year. I, who knows? But if you could get anything for either one of those guys, I'm ready to kind of open it up a little bit. You know, let's get. At the I'm very, just saying at if the I'm very the magic- least, you want DeRozan out there so you can get Derek White, Deontay Murray, um, what's Lonnie's last name Lonnie Walker get them Line some more minutes time. um you know Aldridge he's you know he's a big guy and they don't necessarily have anybody to fill that spot but oh thank god the Sixers just took the lead 88 87 with six and a half minutes oh left you're spread. right
1: ahead you're right ahead of me right when you said I, the shot was love that up, local right? broadcast that. yeah I'm love about that
0: about Michael 18 Scott 18 trade it's I don't right? miss Landry Shaman at all spread oh yeah all right. So again, getting back to the Spurs. So, uh, you know, what I would suggest again is maybe keep an Aldridge because it's maybe harder to replace him a little bit. You've got him next year. You can use him as an expiring contract for next year. And DeRozan, he's a free agent this summer. you got to move him, I think, and try to get something. Give some, again, open up some minutes for some younger guards and, you know, maybe try to trade. Other him for than some Orlando, who
1: does he help? Like, who wants him?
0: I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. But. Uh, yeah, I ask that question all the time. Because I'm thinking you and, only
1: trade for him if you really are in, like, the top eight,
0: right? I mean. I, I guess the way I think about it, Spread, is could you ever imagine that the Rockets would have traded for Russell Westbrook? No.
1: <laughs> That's a good point.
0: Anything's possible.
1: Yeah, anything's possible. I just, I I don't see teams that are going to, that. They, I don't see who he goes to that he helps. Like, who does he push over to the top? You know?
0: Has I mean, gonna, even the
1: aforementioned Rockets are not like, oh, if they get DeRozan, they're going to win the title. You know, it's no. like, no, it no, doesn't affect them. I think the magic, even the Magic, what does he do? He brings them up to He brings them spots. some offense.
0: I, I bet he makes them more of a solid playoff team than maybe a questionable playoff team. Um, but you're right, as I, as I start For how long, though, here,
1: with, a, with a team that really is, the rest of the team is young.
0: I agree. I'd, I have no interest in DeMar DeRozan, but if you can get anything for him, it's, and, and like, where does Aldridge go on.
1: besides Portland? Where could you think that he, like, fits in?
0: Again, that's another name I kind of struggle with. I'm looking with.
1: at all these teams, you know, and I'm just like, Fender don't need him. Pelicans don't need him. Portland's, I Portland. Not, I thought that was a good
0: choice. They're looking for some bodies. Um, Who? Portland, you said that earlier. They need yeah, no, that one makes sense, right? Because in that spot uh, as a power forward,
1: we kind of passed over it. But on Portland, Whiteside's not fitting in, and I know you talk about the locker room, but it's just not an on-court fit. Like number one, he doesn't roll in the pick and roll, so you can't really do a pick and roll with him and Lillard because he's not a good role man. Um, Two, he doesn't have the same lateral quickness that he used to. So if you're trying to funnel to the middle for him as a shot blocker, they're funneling to the middle, and then he's getting beat. You know, I mean, it's just he's not the same rim-protecting presence that he was. So what are you really getting out of him, like, post-scoring? Like, talk talk about DeMar DeRozan. There's another thing that we don't really need in today's NBA. Um, So I don't see Whiteside as a good fit at all. That's where I thought that Aldridge – could help I think I wonder if it's awkward with him going back there but looking at the rest of these teams and he doesn't help like maybe maybe
0: the Mavericks but I don't know I wonder if he could play good minutes in Atlanta just kind of go there be a little bit of a veteran locker room kind of guy try to help John Collins figure out what he's supposed to hmm. do um, okay. Be, see, be a positive you're thinking... offensive presence. As I started to look through the names, that one kind of popped out a little bit. Okay. I'll give but you I, that if, one. I if, think if that's I'm Atlanta, fair. I'm not making that trade. I don't want his contract for two years, and, and Lord only knows what you have to give up. Oh, I'm sure you won't have to give up much. Well, we'll see. All right. Any other teams in the West? I mean, the Lakers have been incredible. Uh, LeBron James has played defense at as high of a level as he ever has I maybe have actually underrated them a little bit. I know during the off season I had them in my list of championship contenders. But um, what do you think of the Lakers? Are, are they maybe even a little underrated during the off season, or, or are they right where you think they thought they would be? So my main
1: concern for the Lakers right now is why are they playing their stars so many minutes?
0: You really struggle with that. I, I have no idea. That like kind of LeBron and
1: AD, I think played thirty eight and thirty seven to beat the Thunder last night. It's ridiculous.
0: I think that will be their downfall. But when you watch those guys, they, they seem to be really comfortable playing together. And again, LeBron looks fresh, man. When's the last time you saw him move this fast? No, I mean no. Well,
1: two years ago. It's just a bad year last year. But um, yeah, I, I'm just surprised that they're playing him so so much. I just I worry about them. Especially you have two. LeBron's not necessarily injury prone, but you know it's just a lot of load for. How old is he? Thirty four, thirty five.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and then Anthony Davis, it just makes sense to limit his minutes because he's never been a, uh, you know, he's always been injury
0: prone, so. All right, the other team that I had circled I wanted to talk to you about was the Utah Jazz. They are in the playoff picture right now, have a winning record at eight and five, but I think that there is room for improvement here. My colleagues oh, yeah. had a tough start to the year. I don't know if this team has coalesced or gelled, if you will. What do you think about the Jazz? I think that they have a lot of easy ways to improve themselves as they continue to get better playing together. But what is your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be a team, you know, we talk about, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, by low right now that we're doing, but I, we're only doing it for the next couple of weeks. I think as this season goes on, they are going to gel and figure things out. I think that they're still having problems, um, integrating Conley into the offense. And, uh, the fact that he didn't shoot well to start the season, obviously hurt. Um, but it just seems like, you know, this is a team well-coached. Uh, we definitely put uh, Mr. Snyder ahead of uh, in our above-average category if we would have done the West, right? Um, and it just seems Absolutely. to be coming together. They, they're figuring out their spacing uh, with Bogdanovich. And, yeah, they're going to be – I think they're a team to really look at to be supporting after the All-Star break. I think that's when it's going to finally come together to them. And I could see them running off one of those Celtics-like 10-game win streaks that, that the Celtics just achieved.
0: All right. Any other teams in the Western Conference you want to touch on before we jump into some of the future's odds here?
1: Let me see. Yes, I want to know your opinion on the Mavericks.
0: I love the Mavericks. I was surprised to see there were a lot of people in the offseason. I know our good buddy D-Money was a big fan of this, and Uh, he's usually pretty sharp, and I gave him a lot of respect for kind of going out on this limb. We talked about the Mavericks. He was on the under there. I know a lot of people were. There was a lot of pessimism around Kristaps Porzingis and his ability to play, but it seems that Luka Doncic alone is enough to to rise this team above. They're incredible, and I think it's all about Luka, and I think it's Rick Carlisle putting him in a position to do what he does best and them being smart enough to have a team around them. I mean, Porzingis isn't being asked to do anything crazy. He's just kind of standing, shooting threes. He hasn't been really near the basket all that much if you watch them he's more of a wing than he is a big man most of the time and and that's probably good given where he is from injury perspective but uh, so let's talk about Luka Doncic a little bit where does he rank for you in the the list of you know best NBA players right now you know not the next 10 years blah 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 so he's in your top five yeah I think he has to be it's yeah I've struggled with this a lot but he's continues to contribute on both ends of the floor is offensively incredible gets his teammates involved makes everyone around him better and continues to just score incredible baskets and make incredible plays what a fun team to watch i have just tons and tons of optimism about them you know i don't know if they're a championship contender obviously i think that's you know an important kind of check mark maybe some cold water to dump on the fire a little bit but you got to feel great about them as a playoff team and you know for a seven game series it's they're probably a little scary what do you think Oh, definitely, and
1: I, they're they're the new NBA. The way the new NBA is set up, they have their two stars, and then they have a bunch of uh, versatile, contributing role players around them, and it's just it's working out better than I expected. And I'll tell you what, I don't think Porzingis is one hundred percent yet back from that injury. Like you said, he's out on the wing. I don't think he feels strong enough to get down low, and I think that as he plays more, gets more confidence in in the knee and gets his conditioning back, he's going to be the more versatile player that we saw in New York and then this team gets really scary.
0: I think you're right. All right, let's move into a little bit of handicapping now. We've got futures odds, you know, thanks to our friends at Bet365, but my guess is, you know, again, the way that the juice is usually at Bet365, you'll be able to get these numbers just about anywhere probably tomorrow morning. Now, spread, who do you think is the favorite to win the NBA championship? The Lakers. The Clippers just barely at, at Still, three, huh? three to one. Let me just do <clears> some <throat> quick math here. The Lakers they do in these goofy fractional odd spread where it's thirteen divided by four. Do you know what thirteen divided by four is?
1: Mm, I don't know. What it's going to be three and a quarter. Five.
0: Three and a quarter. Very good. So three and a quarter versus three and one of the Clippers. They're basically co-favorites. You've got the Bucks at four and a half to one. The Sixers at seven to one. Rockets at seven to one. Jazz fourteen. Nuggets fifteen. Celtics twenty. Raptors twenty five. Those all feel just about right to me. I'm starting to look through the list here. Mavericks 50 to one. Maybe that's kind of fun. What do you think? Spread the Knicks 500 to one. Any any interest there? <laughs> How about the Kings at 200 to one? No. Yeah, this is a tough market. I don't. Do, do you see as I start to fire off some of those prices? I don't know the Heat 35 to one. I don't know. No. I tough. mean, I
1: think we already know. I mean, th- there's the nba has always been top-heavy like this so you know we have we know the five to eight teams that really have a chance and everyone else has a chance to be fun and develop and you know i mean there's good things and bad things about it the fun thing about the nba is you do have to develop you know you do need you know losses like the sixers had to grow as a team you know and so now you're going to have that one and then you know you guys will go forward and you'll either have grown as a team and you'll do even better this year and make maybe these conference finals or the finals Or, you know, you have a couple more like that, and you realize this team just isn't ready to go. Um, But all these championship teams usually have a narrative where they have, you know, a couple tough playoff losses, and they kind of build and develop into the teams that they are. Um, But, you know, like I said, we only have about eight teams that have a chance to win the title, and those haven't changed, I would say, in the first month of the season.
0: So what is your list, then, of teams that have a chance to win the title? You threw the number eight out there. That seems a little big to me. But what is your list of, of championship contenders?
1: All right, let me get back to the standings. i into the gone um, to the games for tomorrow. Okay, I think the Celtics have a shot. I think the Bucks have a shot. And in the West, I would say the Lakers, Rockets, Clippers. I mean, I guess if you want to be crazy, you could say Nuggets and Heat. So really, yeah, it's about five.
0: You skipped the Sixers spread. I'm kind of offended.
1: Oh, yeah, I did, huh?
0: that's I think it's the same list we talked about during the offseason it's the Lakers the Clippers the Bucks the Sixers and the Rockets that was my five teams going in can do you want to add I'd say you have to throw the Celtics in okay so you're adding the Celtics I'm not that optimistic about them I don't think that they have kind of the top tier. I thought that when Hayward was healthy maybe they could but he seems to be injured again I don't you know, it's a long season. We'll check in again in another couple months and see how things look. But I'm still at Lakers. Clippers, yeah, they don't Bucks, have the star power, but I'll tell you what, the like
1: they're they're built correctly, right? I, agree. I mean, they're built like a team. Everything works together. They all work together. They don't have any of these like spacing issues that Philadelphia has. They have a better coach, you know. They do. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying like. Oh, for sure they would beat the Sixers in the in the, e, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think they match up well against Milwaukee because they know how to play a zone, and that's how you stop Giannis. And then, you know, against Philadelphia, I would consider it to be a 50-50 series just because, you know, you guys have the two talented, like, uh, superstars that are going to grab the headlines and everything. But top to bottom, I think it's just uh, a more well-constructed roster that plays – uh, just a better team brand of basketball. I think they'd look like a smarter team out there than than Philadelphia does and I think that stuff matters when it gets to the playoffs.
0: Oh my god. The Sixers are up 2 points with 2 minutes left and Mike Scott throws a lazy pass to Ben Simmons yeah, I gets stolen that. and now oh my god. Well, all right, let's move on to odds to win the conference. Um Maybe these are a little more interesting. The Bucks are the favorite to win the Eastern Conference. Let me just see real quick. I like, mean, really, it's it, they're one and a half right? to Celtics, one. Celtics, Bucks, yeah. Celtics, Bucks,
1: Sixers. Those are the only three teams that really have a chance to win the East, right? Yeah, the Bucks barring are, injury, right, barring Wilding So, so
0: what do you think about the Celtics then? I mean, the, the Bucks one and a half to one. The Sixers two point two to one to win the East. How about the Celtics at six to one? Love it. You like that? So, you play, is that a wager you're placing? I mean,
1: yeah, I don't want to jump on right now because I don't want to mess up our recording. But yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't, I haven't looked at futures markets for a while. I don't think that's a bad look at all. The idea there, the Celtics' path to victory is that the, the the Sixers and the Bucks face each other, and they're on the opposite side of the bracket, and they you- only have to beat one of those teams.
0: I think it involves them making a move. I don't know what that move is yet. I think they still need one more piece to be competitive with those two. They teams. need
1: they need a more solid in the middle. Yeah, especially if you look at the actual individual matchup with the, uh with the Sixers, right? So right now, I think with the centers they have, they could they could compete with Milwaukee. I think that they had a problems against Philadelphia uh, in the middle. You know, it's funny. You know who they need is Aaron Baines. It's just unbelievable they let him go.
0: I thought that was really weird. I mean, I guess that was kind of a money thing. All right, Western Conference. Well, they messed
1: that money up because Yeah, you know, they they, get, they they needed to make that work because you watch that team and that's the one thing that they they're missing. I I just watch them and I'm like if they were out there like I would be a lot more pro Celtics here when we were when we're having these discussions, you know, and I have some more like hot takes like they're the best, they're the best, you know, but it's obvious that they're missing that obviously, you know, in a matchup against uh Philadelphia, which is probably going to be one of their prime matchups right i mean most likely that they won't get lucky like that and they will be playing the bucks yes. or the sixers in the semifinals. B. and um, yeah he's just shooting right now as far as i'm watching um yeah it. you guys are gonna win this Thank um God. but uh can't lose to the next spread you need you need a center to match up with philadelphia so, right, West, and I don't think they have I think you're, to, you're I mean, dead on with Theis. that.
0: The Celtics could definitely use a big guy. Well, So we were talking about that. Are they a LaMarcus Aldridge candidate? or Is, no. is he not the big I mean, guy you're looking you for? Because you want
1: a defensive big guy, right? I mean...
0: I, I agree. I, I don't think that he is. Just just checking all the boxes there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can think of probably like a, a bunch of other guys that probably don't have as big a name that would be more helpful because you don't need to get the guy to score at all. All he needs to do is be able to get in there and 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 stop Embiid from just dominating down low because that would be the, the Sixers path to victory if they do if they do play. It'd be like Simmons, Orford, get out of the way and let Embiid work against Thice or whoever they want to throw out there. Robert Williams, I mean just they just wouldn't have a lot of problems.
0: Western Conference, Clippers and Lakers both about two to one to take the conference there. Rockets about four and a half to one to take the conference. Jazz eight. Nuggets eight. Everybody else looks kind of out there. Maybe the Mavericks at thirty to one. Any value maybe in those West in that Western Conference market?
1: So are you surprised the Rockets are lower than the Celtics?
0: Yeah, I absolutely. I would think that
1: they should be the same. I would think they should be about six to one. And if they were, that would have been the one that I would say, "Hey, let's jump on here." I've actually been really impressed with how quickly, you know, we talk about the Jazz not coming together. The Rockets, you know, that could have been a tough integration too. And they've been—I think they've been working really well together. And I know that, you know, it may not be super efficient and and the way that people like, but I really think the addition of Westbrook is huge. You see so many plays now where Harden can just go stand in the corner and get that on-court rest. Uh, and let Westbrook run stuff, and it's not the net negative that it was when he
0: was doing it last year. I think it comes down to the Rockets' ability to beat either L.A. team. I think that the Rockets are more likely to beat either L.A. team in a seven-game series than the Celtics are to beat the Sixers, the Bucks yet. Interesting. I think the the Lakers are a better matchup against the – I'm sorry, the Rockets are a better matchup against the Lakers, actually. I think the Clippers have enough speed and depth and defensive talent to hang with those guys, but I wonder how the Lakers hold up to that much pace for seven games. So um, I'm a little surprised. I mean – not super surprised. I think, again, you know, when I went through my five teams to win the championship, the Rockets were in there, the Celtics were not. So not super surprised, but it's not a huge difference. Um, so are there any other teams you think might have a chance to win the West besides the L.A. teams or the Rockets?
1: No. I mean, Denver. I think Denver maybe. has a
0: chance to finish with the one seed, but that's obviously what this is. And I, I can't see them beating, uh, again, beating either L.A. team in a, in a seven-game series. That That's that's a stretch for me yeah you know it's funny back to just real one funny thing about the rockets as a
1: fan i do not like that team at all um but as a better i love to
0: bet on them all right we got division odds here taking a look the sixers the favorite to win the atlantic let me just actually change that so i can see what the price is Sixers minus 163 to win the Atlantic Division, the Celtics plus three twenty-five. Although they have a lead already in the Atlantic Division spread, let me just double-check things here. They, the Celtics are eleven and two. The Sixers, the are, Sixers eight five. are eight and five. So the Sixers are three games behind, but somehow still the favorite to win the division. So I
1: mean, because like I said, they've played uh, nine of those thirteen games on the road. They, yeah, but let's check in in two weeks after they get their little home stretch.
0: Yeah, and the Sixers did beat the Celtics, so they've got that head-to-head, I believe. Yeah. So. I don't know. I still like that three twenty-five for the Celtics. I took a little bit of four to one before the season. Yeah, I got the Um, four
1: to one before the season, so there's no reason for me to jump back
0: in. All right, Bucks huge favorites to win the Central. I don't think there's any surprises there. The Northwest Jazz plus one ten, Nuggets plus one twenty. Everybody else kind of that's pretty much the same as the opening. That hasn't moved. Still like the Nuggets there, uh, but you're right, that hasn't moved too much. The Pacific, the Clippers minus one sixty-three, Lakers plus one twenty-five. Again, pretty similar, I guess. They, really? Well, there's been some. I guess you're right. There's been some movement to the Clippers. They were slight favorites during the preseason. Actually, I guess. Pretty and pre- if you right watch now.
1: the records and also the way the teams, oh boy, I think again, it's, it's the head-to-head.
0: There, the Clippers already beat the Lakers once. We'll, we'll see one how. One game,
1: and it was the first game of the year. You think how much people are overreacting to that game, right? We'll I see. mean, if the Lakers win that Christmas, game, right? right? Aren't they aren't they huge favorites to win everything? If the Lakers win that game, well, the they are. The but again, again it's, a, out.
0: it's it's a serious tiebreaker. It matters if their record is is the same. That the Clippers right now would have that advantage, and I think that matters.
1: Yeah, I'm just surprised. I think the Lakers have a great chance to win that division. Twelve and two to nine and five, and and the Clippers have shown they're just getting ready for the playoffs. Right? They're not worried about this number one seed at all yeah it's you know I guess Kawhi. oh right. well, there we uh, go you did it a hang, if he Good has job, like buddy. a nail, he's sitting out right you know what i'm saying like that's true if his lunch doesn't agree with him he's sitting out and i i don't have a problem with that we've talked about it before we don't need to get into it again but um you know it's just one of those things where uh, they're not gunning for that top speed and it seems to me the lakers are
0: yeah right as you as you met, mentioned earlier the Lakers coaches have not hesitated to play their stars. So do you have any interest in that number? Lakers plus 125 to win the Pacific?
1: Yeah, I actually think that's a good bet. See, this is where it's fun because I hadn't looked at these futures markets for a while, and I think you've identified a really good spot right there.
0: I think, I think I'm think i with you there. What do you think? One unit? Yeah, let's right. do it. Let's go. Lakers plus 125. We'll add that. You know what, Turn though? You know what? we're
1: going to be rooting against ourselves to lose that the whole time, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. I, <laughs> I hate I hate the
0: Lakers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Lakers plus plus. 125 to win let me just make sure i write this down I'm trying to do a better job here keeping track of what we're doing all right the southeast division the heat a big favorite minus 334 that makes all the sense in the world to me at this point they have the best record they seem to be the best team and i don't know what orlando can do but i have no interest in them but plus 350 anything to add no same thing here for the Southwest Division. Rockets minus 400. You've got the Spurs, Mavericks, Pelicans, and Grizzlies. As good as I feel about the Mavericks. I'm surprised the Spurs are the second favorite there, given how they've played this year. Uh, now that I'm looking at it, is there a little value in the Mavericks at that number? They're 7.5-1 to one to win their division. They're 8-5. and five. The Rockets are 11-3. So I guess they're three games behind. Uh, I don't know. I guess you'd need an injury on the Rockets. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm not touching that. All right, so we like just one bet so far in the divisions. There, um, we'll grab the Lakers plus 125 for a unit. Now let's go to the MVP. Giannis is the favorite here to win the MVP. He's at plus 280. Harden's at plus 300. LeBron at plus 650. Anthony Davis at plus 750. Luka Doncic at nine to one. That's that's a pretty incredible number. Embiid um, 17 to one. Jokic 20 to one. Kawhi 11 to one start to look down the list now spread uh what do you think the odds are on markel false to win the mvp shut up he's on the list 250 (laughs) to one he has the same (laughs) odds as stephen adams lonzo ball (laughs) dwight howard rj barrett laurie market and clay thompson mike conley and De'Aaron fox what it is god odds markets are amazing (laughs) I wonder if it, I would love to know if anybody bet. Markel falls to win the MVP at two fifty to one. God damn it! Wow, unbelievable. He actually didn't look too bad in this Raptors game. I'm watching. So what do you think? We've got Giannis plus two eighty, Harden plus three hundred. It's tough to pick between LeBron and Anthony Davis. They should hypothetically split votes. I don't see Doncic as good as he's been. I think that Giannis and Harden are maybe a step above. Do you have any interest in Giannis or Harden at those numbers again both right around 3 I don't three bet I
1: don't bet these markets. It's like a media award, you know? Like the one thing I like about betting these games is like there's a final score, right? Mhm. You know, like if you bet New York +12 tonight, like you know you won, you picked the right game, you know, thing. Whereas the MVP, it's like you could actually pick the player that you think is the MVP and and it goes down to the voting, so it seems, I don't know. It's kind of like betting on the Academy Awards, I guess. So I I don't think I've ever placed it to win the MVP bet in my 10 years of sports betting.
0: I've got some Jokic at 20 to 1, and I'm uh, trying to think, but I think those are the only MVP bets I have again. Jokic at 20 to 1. I think it does come down to Hardner or, or Giannis, but we'll see. I mean, the only name that's a little interesting here to me is Carl Anthony Towns at 33 to 1, but I don't know. Really? If, LeBron well, is I, name I, and, that's interesting to me. Uh, LeBron at 6.5 to 1. That's. That's, that's kind of appealing too, I guess. If Davis continues to kind of load manage and take some games off and LeBron, he's leading the league in assist spread. And not just yeah. leading, he's like two assists per game ahead of the next person. He's at 11. I think the person behind him is somewhere in the nines.
1: No, and he's balling. If you want to go by eye test and just throw all the numbers out the window, does he not look like the best player in the league right now?
0: It's hard to argue against that spread. All right, who do you think is favored for rookie of the year? It's got to be Morant, right? He's basically tied with Zion. Morant's plus 200. Zion's plus 220. You've got R.J. Barrett at plus 450. Kendrick Nunn at plus 650. Hero at plus 1300. Rui Hachimara at 14. Kobe White. Eric Pascal at 22 to 1. That's kind of <laughs> interesting. What do you think about that? That's interesting, but let's be honest, right? This is Morant's to lose, right? I think it's Morant or it's we'll see what Zion does when he comes back. But if it's Morant to lose at plus 200, there there's got to be some value there if you're that sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there is. I
1: think have you been watching him? He's way better than I thought he was going to be. Like, I thought he was going to be good, but I thought he was going to take time to develop. He's just coming into the league and just looking fantastic right off the bat
0: i think a lot of it is about that grizzlies team in general they just they've looked better we didn't expect them to come out and be competitive anyone that follows first quarter or first half bets knows how great the grizzlies have been this year they're a competitive team so i, I kind of wonder if there's a little value at morant there at two to one i'm not sure if i'm ready to bet it but maybe just the slightest bit of value what do you think
1: yeah i mean i like it like i said i kind of stay away from these i don't bet the best picture either but um if I, if you know, if you said, "Hey, here's a hundred dollars, but you have to bet Rookie of the Year." What are you going to take? You get to keep the money if you win. I would take Morant for sure.
0: All right, spread. Let's get into the Thursday games. We'll break these down. This is a quick recap, we only have two. I know. We had a fantastic start to the year. We were 9-1 to one to start the year. And unfortunately, <laughs> since then, have been 2-8, and eight, which puts us at 11-9 and nine on the year, plus 1.6 units. A it's a game it of runs. Basketball is a game of runs. So news. we're still positive for the year, plus 1.6 units. And we've saved about almost half a unit in, in selling. I know that you were hesitant the other day to sell the... Uh, you know, when we were on the Periscope, we sold Denver from minus 8.5 down to minus 9, and the game actually ended up finishing at 8, so we would have lost at 8.5 or 9 regardless of right. what we sold, and we saved ourselves. some. Juice. And you know what's
1: funny is I got in there later. Like two hours later, that number was 7.5. Wow. So I ended up covering online when I placed my own personal bet, but on the scope, we had we got a bad number. I don't know why it changed. Someone might have been ruled out or something that moved it to a point, but... No, it's just funny how these markets work.
0: It's crazy. All right, let's pull up some numbers. I'm trying to see tomorrow's games. It looks like actually they just pulled everything down. Hold on a second. I had Pinnacle pulled up, but it's, unfortunately they're not there anymore.
1: I don't see numbers on these games.
0: Oh, Jesus. What an absolute. Let me check
1: SBR real quick.
0: That's a great idea. Apologies for this, everybody. Um, caught a little off guard. There were odds for these games when we started the podcast, but I guess we've been there talking. were there were there were odds on just about every site. Ah, uh, here we go. Our folks at our friends at Bovada have odds up for at least one of the games. Let me see if I can just get NBA odds into it okay so i've got odds for at the very least the pelicans suns game suns at home minus six i'm seeing a total of 233 what do you think about the suns against the pelicans tomorrow i know that we are unfortunately forced to kind of pick a um a pelicans game again regard and it's tough with all the injuries there are but at first glance i don't mind the phoenix suns minus six do you have any any thoughts on that
1: I mean, how how do you cap a Pelicans game, right? Like, who's even playing? Like, is Ingram playing? Is Ball playing? Like, let's assume that Ingram's up? playing. I
0: think Ingram is the player that we're most concerned about. Um, let's assume that he's playing. I believe he played last game. So, what do
1: you think about his year
0: so far? Right, he's he's actually played pretty well, right? He has. I, I again, I worry about those injuries. I know that. He has some, you know, heart issues that everyone was a little concerned about, but he seems to have a lot of soft tissue issues as well. That was a problem, I think, in LA. I remember having him with a handful of injuries there. And since he's been in New Orleans, I can't remember you know, the last time he was healthy. I actually don't see him on the injury report here, Spread. So I assume Ingram is playing tomorrow. The only game time decisions that I see are Lonzo Ball and Jaleel Okafer. No Derek Favors so no Josh. Favors Hart. is out for sure. Yeah. So I see Lonzo, Hart,
1: Okafer, and Favors all out.
0: Yeah, that's that's the same thing I'm seeing. I'm seeing Lonzo's a game okay. time decision, but let's assume that he's out. Let's assume that Brandon Ingram's playing. I think that's the most likely scenario. Do you have any interest in Phoenix again land five? Oh gosh, I hate this game. What's our total here? I'm going to be honest, Fred. At this point, we're about an hour and five minutes in the podcast. What do you think? Let's just do a periscope tomorrow. Okay, let's do that. Awesome. I'll check in with you, and there'll be a Periscope tomorrow. So, with that, unless you have anything else to add, Sprint, I think we're just about done.
1: No, I think we did a great job. It's definitely fun to get you during a uh, Sixers game, especially one they that won. they're struggling. They
0: won. They did it. Yeah. It's There's nothing especially better than when beating the because you are just Ben fired Simmons up, made a three. Know? We beat the Knicks. Life is beautiful. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. We hope you have as much fun listening as we do making this. Uh, please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. We'd love a follow at Net Worth Pod. We would love a rating review on whatever you're using to listen to this podcast. And have a great week.
1: Good luck in all your wagers.